0: Hello podcast listeners. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well. I'm recording this podcast in the evening, which is different for me. Usually I record it in the morning, but you know, sometimes things just happen. So if I sound a little bit more mellow, a little bit more gentle, that's probably why. Maybe it's better to have less manic energy for the podcast, but I hope you're doing well um, wherever you're listening to this on a walk or cleaning or driving somewhere. Um, I hope it helps you. But today's podcast, I wanted it to be about bulimia conversations and the most common topics I talk about with people in bulimia recovery. I was thinking about the other day, I was thinking about all the different conversations I have with clients daily. And I really, I always say this, but I wish that I could record those conversations and give them to you. Obviously, I cannot for various, various reasons. And, you know, if people are recorded, then they behave differently too. But I just get to see people overcoming challenges having aha moments, all those sorts of things. And I do try to sprinkle them into the podcast and what I'm teaching people and all those sorts of things, but you never really get to see it. Um, The benefit of me being able to see that is really, truly continually confirming my belief that change is possible and people that can do anything, um, people can't do anything. And I'll be honest, my clients have really shaped my own life too and inspired me to make changes and doing things. And sometimes it's through a client's situation and how they handle it that I learned things about myself. So it's so cool. So rewarding in that sense. But I wanted to go over some of the main themes and topics that happen in those conversations with you today. However, um, if you like this podcast and you find it useful, please give it a review and a a rating, not a thumbs up or like, this is not Instagram um, or Facebook, give it a review and a rating. It really helps me out. It helps my podcast get seen more which of course helps me in my business and helps me allow what I need to do right to live, but then also helps more people see it. So, um, And I genuinely appreciate it. And also when I read them, it makes me happy. (laughs) And then also people who are thinking that they need help, um, it helps them understand what the podcast is about. So if you can, I truly appreciate it. All right. So the first thing I talk to people about a lot, it's going to sound so basic. All these things will sound basic, but don't just because they're simple does not mean that they aren't vital to recovery. I just want to make that. Keep an open mind. Like It's okay if it's a simple concept. It should probably be simple. If something's too convoluted, it's not going to be practical in real life. But anyway, the first thing I talk to people about the most often is slowing down truly just stopping time, closing their eyes and taking a moment to recalibrate before they proceed to the next step. Commonly, we refer to it as pausing in my program and in my private coaching. But um, And this is usually before behavior like a binge, overeating or um, wanting to purge, but really this skill is useful for everything. Um, and I find we um, as people, whenever we're having eating behaviors. We have some sort of behavior with food. It's commonly replicated in other areas of our life. And people sometimes are just going and going and going, especially in modern day society. There's always something you can be listening to, always something you can be doing, always something you need to keep on having. Um, It's just this constant movement society. I find that that's not good for people. And just sitting, taking a second to slow down and smell the roses and really just pause and sit with themselves without any sound or stimulation, And just breathing, it helps quite a bit. So, um, this is the first thing I talk about. And for those of you guys that don't know about the pause method, I've talked about it many podcasts before. But pausing before binging, it's really helpful because people think, oh, well, if I thought to pause, then I wouldn't binge. But the pause is not just stopping binging. That's what people translate it to. Pausing is taking a moment in time when you are going to binge to um, pause what is going on in your life. And take a moment to think and process before you continue, regardless of whether you continue to binge or you continue to do something else. And what that does is it holds momentum and helps you recalibrate a little bit. And if you don't binge, then it's amazing because you have calmed yourself down and taught yourself that you can um, reform this habit, right? But if you do binge, it still builds a new habit loop of urge, pause, binge, which is more time. It teaches you also that you can have a moment And then you can decide to binge on purpose. And this gives you more authority and control. And over time, I see when people pause with full permission to binge, and then they continue to binge, they usually enjoy the binge less, they usually question themselves a little bit more, and they have some cognitive dissonance with it, and they're usually more present. And therefore they are more likely to stop it in the future. Um, And they understand that the binging isn't necessarily involuntary, that of course there's this automatic habit loop and they're not thinking about it and it is very difficult, but also that they may have some power and choice in the matter. And that's what slowing down can be really helpful for. The second thing I talk to people about a lot is just being kinder to themselves, just being nicer. So many people are so negative. Um, Their internal dialogue is just constantly in repeat, ripping themselves a new one for stupid things, like stupid things like uh, they didn't take the trash out or something, just idiotic stuff. Um, They're so mean to themselves because they don't think they're good enough, or they don't think this, and that's what kind of turns them towards behaviors. You may think, oh, being kinder to yourself, how is this relevant? But the first thing I did for my recovery before anything else was being nicer to myself. I didn't know that it was a crucial part of my recovery. I didn't do it to stop binging and purging. I did it just because I wanted to feel better. And what I didn't realize is that by being nicer to myself, having a better internal dialogue with myself, it actually made me feel better and then less likely to turn towards behaviors. There was less of a need in my life to binge and purge when I was being nicer to myself and not constantly beating myself up or just treating myself with decency and kindness and respect. There wasn't this, um, I didn't always talk to myself like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You're the best. I couldn't do that. That felt disingenuine, but not insulting myself, no longer putting myself down, just being mutual with myself made a big difference over time. And you can't really you can change it over time by practicing new thoughts, but how to kind of be nicer to yourself, a good first step in that, because people are like, well, I have automatic depressing negative thoughts. I believe that I am awful. And so I can't think differently. A good way to do this is to possibly find a middle ground with a thought that you believe in and intentionally think that on purpose. So you know, if you think you are a piece of shit, like let's say that that's on your, your mind constantly and you truly believe that, it's going to be very hard for you to suddenly go to, I love myself. That's going to feel disingenuine and wrong. Uh, and you're gonna you're just going to feel it's like it's fake. It may work still to repeat that over and over again anyway. You might find a difference, but it's going to feel phony. What could be a possible next thought is, I don't have, you know, maybe I'm not actually a piece of shit. Maybe there's not actually good evidence for that. Um, Maybe I'm just a human who makes mistakes. Maybe we don't need to take it as far. Or my opinion that I'm a piece of shit sh- is subjective. It is not a fact. Even just starting with like, not everything I'm thinking is true. I'm choosing to, maybe, maybe the thought is I'm choosing to believe this, but it's not actually true. We don't know what's true, but we know for sure that you saying you're a piece of shit all the time is based on your subjective opinion, Not any. it's not been agreed upon by a peer-reviewed study. So that could be a first step in your process. And for me, the belief that was helpful was not everything I think is real, and I'm a human being that's worthy of decency and respect. And for some reason that stuck with me Um, and it helped me. And then also to take us a step further, something I talk with people about a lot is Not just thinking kindly towards themselves, but actually acting nice to themselves too and doing nice things for themselves. And this doesn't mean a bubble bath, it just means like taking care of yourself. Um, If you have a partner, right, and they love you, but all they ever do is think about how they love you, but they never show you that they love you, it's never ever gonna feel like they love you at all because you have no indicator of that. They don't say anything, they don't do anything, all that sort of stuff. It's the same with yourself. You can't just think that you love yourself. You then have to show yourself that you love you by how you treat yourself and what you do. And I think this it, it comes full circle and thinking those thoughts sometimes help you change, but also sometimes taking those actions towards yourself helps you change as well. All right, the third thing that I usually talk to people about is removing themselves from toxic situations. And I, you will not believe the amount of people that come to me and they think that they are just the problem and that they just suck and they do all the self-development work. They're trying so, so hard, but they keep getting weighed down. And it's because they're in a pretty toxic situation. And no matter how much work they do, the problem is still lingering. It's like, you know, you're treating the symptoms, but you're never really figuring out the cause of it. And so there's still this festering wound and you can you can um put all light all the candles and take all the medications, but the wound's gonna keep on festering till you actually address it. So a lot of times when people do work with me, they find that they when they remove the bulimia, sometimes things are still wrong and then they're able to see other problems in their life more clearly. Sometimes it's a work situation, sometimes it's a relationship that needs to be altered or removed altogether. Um, sometimes they're just not happy in their life in general, and they need to switch things up, many different things, but that could be going on. So I'm not saying you need to change. Everything in your life, all of a sudden, to recover. Sometimes recovery helps you then change things. But if you are dealing with stressful things, do not just dismiss yourself and say we should, everyone just deals with this. This is just normal. Maybe it's not. Maybe you are actually dealing with a lot, and that could be part of the reason you are going towards bulimia. And yes, you need to get better, but also you can choose to you can choose what type of stress you tolerate in your life. And some stress is worthwhile. Some stress is not, right? And you should be choosing that wisely. So some situations may just be toxic situations you need to get rid of altogether. And sometimes recovery really highlights those things for you. Um, Okay. And then uh, where are we on? Fourth one. The fourth one is shame. Um, And people just have so much shame. Shame about... Being bulimic or struggling with bingeing and purging, about the food waste that they have, about their poor self-control, all they've got—all these stories about them. Um, Sometimes bad decisions they've made in the past that lead them towards the behaviors. I talk about shame a lot with people, and one thing I find too with shame, it's—I could sometimes tell them, you know, certain situations. it wasn't their fault or that like they don't need to feel bad about these things, all that sort of stuff. But I find what's most important for shame is just listening, being there, and validating, and poking a little bit of a hole in the shame's logic. But just by being there and kind and holding space, um, shame dissolves. I always love the phrase that Brene Brown said, which is, shame cannot survive being spoken. I truly believe that. There's something about actually airing your shame out loud and having a kind person tell you that you, or just just not even telling you anything, just being fully accepting of you still, not blinking an eye. The um, clients have told me things like they shoplifted and me just not saying anything and just being there for them and not being like, all these things somehow helps them unravel that shame a little bit. Speaking it out loud, giving it, truth, it's almost like it just shrivels in the sunlight and dies once you actually say the shame out loud. But um, that's something I talk about a lot. That's the reason a lot of people go and stay in behaviors. Um, another thing I talk to people about is why they want to be in bulimia. And this may be, it may sound counterintuitive, but the reason I talk about why they want to be in bulimia, and we of course talk probably equal parts about why they don't want to be struggling with bulimia. Oh, sorry, after yod totally not going to edit that out. We're just going to, this is just one straight shoot. I'm just sick of editing. Um, <laughs> they weren't that good anyway before. But um, the reason we talk about why they want to be with bulimia is because I feel like they need to understand it. People usually, not always, but they're very clear on the reasons why they want to recover. They're clear on why they want to get out of it. But sometimes their reasons for why they, didn't, they want to get out of it don't cancel out the reasons why they are doing it they're separate issues and i find truly identifying why they're still engaging in behaviors then helps us identify what we need to find that's going to motivate them. So for example, I was talking to a client on Wednesday about purging and we just went over all the reasons she's still purging and then all the reasons she didn't want to purge. And a lot of her reasons to not purge were great, but they were not solving the issues that she thought purging was solving. For example, she was purging because she was fearing gaining weight. And so then we found more reasons why not purging would actually help her maintain her weight in a healthier way. And poke holes in the logic of purging um, that's actually going to lead to poor weight maintenance over time and poor um, self control around food. And not purging will help her learn how to portion control and probably have more weight stability long term and now. So, um, you see what I mean? Like with that, we, instead of just being like, oh, well, I shouldn't do this, but here's what I'm gaining from it, there's no longer a sacrifice. So, when you really highlight, here are the reasons you're doing something, and then do those reasons make sense, then it's easier for them to change. But sometimes even if we can't poke holes in the logic, I find it's really good that they clearly, like explicitly understand the exact reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Because instead of just trying to change it right away, they just need to sit with that. They just need to be like, these are the reasons I'm staying. And then they need to take action upon those reasons. Because I find that people, they usually just blame themselves. They usually think, I just don't have control. It's just too difficult, blah, 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 blah. But then when we review the reasons why they're going into it, the thought processes that they're using, the logic behind it that they're not really paying attention to, the circumstances that may be leading to it. Then it gets a lot less about, a, oh, it's a self-control issue and it's a this reason issue. And then they start thinking, does this reason make sense over time? Is this actually helping me what I want to do? So that's definitely an interesting thing to consider as well. Um, another thing that I usually talk to clients about are how people, how how they aren't crazy. Like so many people gaslight themselves. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Probably because we're just trying to cope. And so we're like, no, we're just terrible, blah, blah, blah. But people they, they think that they are crazy and they think that they just are completely out of control. But the reason they feel that way is because it becomes such an automatic habit binging to where they're just not aware and all those sorts of things. So what I find helpful to do is really, like I was saying in the previous one, clearly outline for them when we're talking one-on-one about the last time that they binged and reviewing it in detail so that they can start to see the true linear path that was going on that they weren't aware of and when they start to see these reasons they start to realize more and more that they're not just some insane person that there are logical circumstances happening here that are leading to this and then they can find a solution and they're not just a hopeless cause so that is helpful um and uh another thing I talked to them about is the last time that they binged or had a behavior so this kind of goes along with what I was just saying but If you feel like binging is completely automatic and you there's just no time to pause, there's no time to do any tactic. You're just before you know it, your sleeve of Oreos down and it's too late. You probably need to raise awareness. One of the first things I usually do with people is I just have them take me through the last time that they binged in Persian detail. And you could do this by yourself as well. It's helpful to have another person because they'll kind of clue you in. I tend to find a lot of people are like, I don't remember, so I have to ask them specific questions that kind of jog their memory. But you could ask yourself. Where was I when I was binging? What was I doing before I was binging? Um, at what point did I think that I was binging? What time was it? What was going on around me? All these things. Um, how did I get from where I was before I was binging to then binging? How did that happen? And the more you can, and if you don't know, you can just guess. You can just keep keep taking guesses as to what you think it was. The more you do this, though, the more you'll highlight for your mind cues that it wasn't looking for before. And then the next time you binge, it may still be pretty automatic, but you might notice things ahead of time. You might start recognizing triggers and scans. I was at the dentist office recently um, for some dental work I need to get done. I need to get a few cavities figured out. And they were looking at my x-rays you know, me being the curious person that I am, I was just like staring at the x-rays with them, like trying to see what it was, but it all looked pretty normal, pretty the same to me. But then the dentist was like, yeah, there's definitely, he looked at the x-rays, he's like, there's definitely some things we need to work on here. And then he pointed out to me all these things I didn't see before. Once he pointed them out to me, I could define the difference, but without knowing, I was not able to pick up on those subtle differences and still it was hard to see. So you kind of need to do the same thing with your mind as reviewing and understanding the detail behind it. Um, Reviewing the last time you binged or had a behavior and what you did well and what you didn't do so well can also help you see where you can improve in the future. Raising awareness is one of the biggest weapons you have in your arsenal to recovery and it will certainly help you a whole lot. All right. Um, And then the final thing that I do, which I just kind of mentioned, which is, what are you doing well? And I ask clients this sometimes, which is, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how well do you think you handled that situation? It's usually about a bad situation. And they're always sometimes kind of taken aback of the question. But then we find that uh, when we review all the things that they did well, even in a shitty situation, they realize, oh, I'm actually not that bad. And I actually handled that much better. I did more good things than I did bad things. Um, and our minds are very negatively biased. Like we're great at picking out negative things that are happening, awful things that are happening, all that sort of stuff. But you to see positive things, it has to be intentional. Like it's work to see the positive in life. It always is. And I say this to kind of highlight it for you. Just because the negative things are more prominent does not mean there are more of them. It just means your mind is better at seeing them. So you really have to work hard for seeing positive things. That's why I always try to ask clients what they're doing well, what they're proud of. And whenever I send over um, client notes, I always send session notes after, I always try to tell them, hey... Here are all the things that you're doing correctly, and I want to have them have a written record of it so they can see, no, I actually am improving, even if there are flaws going on. And so if you could review that for yourself, if you want to use it as a journal prompt, like, what am I doing well today? How well did I handle this situation? You might find you feel a lot better, and it helps you be looking for the positive more than the negative, which makes life a whole lot easier. All right, I'm gonna let you guys go. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am offering three-month general life coaching till August 31st. I don't usually do this, and of course, I'm still taking bulimia recovery clients, of course, but I just am going through such a big transitional period in my life. I'm making a big change in my life, and it's giving me lots of energy, lots of inspiration. And I find that when I am in that sort of zone in my life of growth and development and change and fear and all these heightened emotions, but it's a good thing and excitement that I'm also able to help clients quite a bit with changing. Um, you know, I think it just goes to show you, you always want to hire coaches that are in, um, that are doing well, right. And doing things. And that's certainly happening for me. So I wanted to offer another round of short-term three month, um, general life coaching, a special package. So if you have been interested in working with me for a while, either to get out of your eating disorder, or you wanna do other things. Like maybe you want to start a new relationship or you want to get out of one. Maybe you want to um, start a career, start a business or something, or you wanna travel the world, or you just wanna change your life a little bit and feel better this could be perfect for you. If you like this podcast and you like my vibe, then we'll likely get along in person. Uh, so you can find information for that on my website. You can just book a consult with me at bingebreakers.com. There will probably be a link, a specific link for the general life coaching in the description of this podcast, but I hope to hear from you soon and limited space available. So don't hesitate. and am going get a consult and see if it's going to work out. All right. Have a good weekend. Never give up on yourself. Bye.